Hi everyone, my name is Melissa, the host of the Mummy Warriors podcast. This podcast is based on topics that go on behind the world of parenting. Speaking of the unspoken, I upload an episode once a week on a Tuesday with a new topic every single week. I look forward to you tuning in. Hi and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I'm joined by Sarah Baccaro who is a rapid transformational therapist and hypnosis and she is also the author of the ebook How to Raise a Healthy Child When the Other Parent is a Narcissist. Sarah, welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast. Share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. So I am a rapid transformational therapist. I'm also a hypnotherapist and a mother of a four-year-old daughter with a uh, what is known as a malignant narcissist. So um, that was not the first narcissist in my life, but it is the first uh, one that I have a child with. So I now specialize in, in helping people, not just women, uh, men and women to go through uh, really reprogramming, rewiring their mind from childhood traumas, from past traumatic experiences, and really understanding the depths of what led them to being in these emotionally abusive relationships. What is a narcissist and what are the signs of a narcissist? So a narcissist, I just like to say, uh, is kind of quite simply a person who lacks emotional empathy and lacks attunement. They are someone who who use and abuse uh, others for their gain. They're the type of people that are always going to be putting themselves up here and, and other people down here. And there's different types. There's a very covert way. And, and covert actually was my first husband. They're the ones that everyone seems to just love and adore uh, on the outside. They just... Uh, the best thing since sliced bread, but then behind closed doors at home with behind those walls, completely different person. And they're constantly, they're very, they're covert, right? Covert means kind of undercover. So they're always using very, you know, passive aggressive comments, getting you to kind of wonder that why, you know, you get that feeling that that didn't really feel good, but you mm-hmm. can't quite put your finger on, on what it was because it wasn't overt. It wasn't in your face. And then, you know, the other more traditional type of narcissist is the very, uh, outward, don't try to hide it. They, they will put you down in front of other people. And, uh, they do, you know, very, very del- belittling things constantly to, to knock down your self-esteem, knock down your sense of self-worth and, and just have a zero emotional empathy, um, yeah, at, at all. So that's kind of a non-formal definition of it, but more of what you feel when you are in a relationship with that type of person. You always feel um, not uh, not understood, not appreciated. That no matter what you can do, this person is not seeing you. They're not understanding you. Their words may say that they are, but their actions are are completely different. Mm-hmm. And, and you're often left going, "Wait, what just happened?" Yeah, because of, there's a lot of you know emotional abuse, gaslighting, gas lightning is a very powerful manipulation tool that they always use and when it's happening to you especially for the first time you don't know what's happening you just know that something is off and something is wrong and like I said before you just can't quite put your finger on it right and the toxic thing about um, those signs that you said that you mentioned is if you're a reactor and they're doing things subtly if you react big 
you end up looking like the crazy one. They do things to get you to react and, and oh, what's always being triggered are our inner unhealed wounds inside of you. But in a space of a relationship, you they make you feel, especially in the beginning of a narcissistic relationship, uh, you will notice it, it always follows the same pattern. There's a love bombing phase and then there's yeah. the devalue and the discard. So if in the beginning... I, you fell in love very, very quickly and it moved yeah. very, very fast. And you're thinking, wow, I found my soulmate. I found the one. They seem to be everything you could have ever imagined. And then slowly they start to, you get out of that love bombing phase and then you start to be devalued, right? Um, but very much so. They will do things to make themselves the victim, mm-hmm. get you to react, push your buttons so they can sit back and go, whoa, see, see how crazy this person is? Yeah, Look at you. yeah so. like you're basically the problem. Because you go through the phase of the love bombing, and if you have a particular trauma or you've definitely suffered some sort of abandonment, it kind of gives you like a warm feeling all the time. So when that phase is out, you're, you're, you're so addicted to the 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 love phase that that's what you try and basically get back to a little bit like a drug you know so you just yeah yeah. so you're constantly going through that cycle of let me basically do what I can to get it back to that beginning phase in my experience the beginning phase never happens again so it kind of just passes it like goes through its phase and then it wears out and then this is pretty much who you're stuck with yeah and it's called love bombing I mean if you think about it when when bombs are 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 place right it's an explosion and and it's very intense mm-hmm. right? it is very intense in the beginning and it never gets back to that intensity and that's part of the mind game and the manipulation is they know that when they extract that that there's a void and it does trigger you know past abandonment wounds past, mm-hmm. past trust issues past emotional abuse that you've experienced perhaps from growing up uh and uh, maybe it's something as simple as like maybe a parent working and being gone all the time but there's a sense of abandonment and and that's what they they are constantly triggering and so they'll sprinkle in and there's actually a term for it called breadcrumbing where perhaps they're they're nice after you have this big fight and it's explosion and you don't get that full intense love bonding phase ever again once you're out of it but maybe they'll go and buy you flowers Mm-hmm. Or they'll say sorry, and they'll take you out to you know your favorite restaurant again, mm-hmm. and then you're you're thinking, going, oh wow, they really are sorry. Well, yeah. things are getting better, and then in your mind, you're hoping and thinking that future faking. I imagine you've talked about that before. That wow, we are getting back to where we once we, were. Yeah, and then something happens where we're just back to. It's basically a consistent and continuous cycle. I also wanted to offer us for us to speak about co-parenting with a narcissist. So, in my own case, what are your experiences with speaking with people with co-parenting with narcissists, or having your own experience co-parenting with a narcissist? Well, I think they go hand in hand. My personal experiences, as well as others, and and the first thing I say is there is no such thing. <laughs> there is no such thing as co-parenting because co means, you know, to come together, to cooperate, to do it together, to be on the same path with the same goal in mind and working towards that. And, and their only goal is to continue to punish you. And they <laughs> use their children to do that. They use their children to get through to the other parent, to continue to hurt them, abuse them, manipulate them. So there's counter parenting, <laughs> which is more likely what it is with the narcissist. Other people that I have, uh, that have worked with that are further along in the journey than I am just due to my child's age, 
that's a parallel parenting is the, is the only way. It depends on the age of your child. My daughter's four and a half, so mm-hmm. it's very much counter parenting, but they will say to you, oh, I want this. I want this too, right? I, I just want to co-parent with you. Mm-hmm. Come on, can't we work? And they will tell you what you want to hear, but their actions never match their words. And I just never. had an example of that this morning. Uh, my my ex is in, in our paperwork is court ordered to provide health insurance and he'll he'll go from one plan get a card give it to me and then stop paying until i recognize what's happening and and that's part of the gaslighting and crazy making too because she doesn't have to go to the doctor every month but so Mm. when she goes every four or six months or whatever and she finally does need it i'm not able to access it and come to find out i still take her and then she doesn't have health insurance. And I just found out yesterday that I've been sent to collections for a doctor visit that was last year. He told me she's good to go. So they'll use blanket statements and terms. They never will directly answer a question. So it's really difficult to parent because you're trying to get information uh, out of them. Uh, or or tell them about it in regards to the well-being of the child and and they they the word salad they'll they'll go around it at, or they'll divert and they'll talk about something else and you're thinking we need to be focused on this this is what is has to deal with the child and they'll oh okay uh, yeah I'll look into it mm-hmm. and, and they're constantly making you again like you said pointing you so it's very very frustrating to try and co-parent it just doesn't exist and you find that you're counter-parenting um with them constantly because you can't get any direct information out of them or any information that actually follows through with them saying yes here you go yeah and, and they they use the children to get to you or they'll paint the healthy parent as the unhealthy parent Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll say things in front of them. Do you see what your mom does? Do yeah, you, yeah. I'm, I'm the one. I and you know my ex will tell my daughter things. Uh, Daddy loves mommy. Mommy's the most beautiful girl girl in the world. Daddy wants us to just be a family. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> right. But then your child looks at you like, well, I want that too, mommy. Why do you not? Why do yeah. you not? Do that? So it's 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 difficult to be the healthy parent who. Because we shouldn't be talking to children about adult problems. Exactly. Because narcissists will, will use the children and triangulate them against you, the healthy parent. And then so the healthy parent often feels very frustrated, feels stuck, and feels torn in between the reality of what's happening and not wanting to pull the child into it. And also having the child understand it in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah. Exactly, because I'm pretty, like, I have the same sort of experiences with my son, who's also four and a half years old. So um, he was over for one of his visits with my son, and he was basically saying, um, my son made a flyaway comment, like, oh, daddy, I wouldn't, I want to stay at your house, because I have a boundary issue with my son staying there. He's just, he looks directly at me and he was like, your son wants to stay at my house. And then looks at my son and says, mommy said that you can't stay at my house. So automatically, even though we privately had a conversation about why I don't want that, he's now involved my kid. And because obviously the feelings I have for my son, I'm like, well, I don't want to lie. 
but how do I navigate this and what language should I use so I don't look like the bitch basically like I don't mm-hmm. look like I'm the problem hands up like to the child yeah <laughs> like see it's not me mm-hmm. and, and that's always this avoidance of responsibility or any level of accountability and then it's not me so they're always in that stance of, mm-hmm. and and it is difficult um, so yeah I I've that experience the same thing and with my daughter when she doesn't understand why don't we all live together mm-hmm. and I say it is so important for me to to be a good mommy to you and it it matters to me if daddy's a good daddy to you and I can be a really good mommy to you when I have my own house and I hope that your dad is a good dad to you when he has his own house but when we have lived in the same house we just don't get along. And I think it's important for all of us to, to get along and to, mm-hmm. to be happy and to be healthy and to treat each other with respect. And, and mommy and daddy can treat each other with, with better respect when we each live in our own house. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's a good thing as well to kind of like navigate out a bit. Because as I was saying earlier, if you're an emotional reactor, that then that would like create a big situation where you automatically do look like problem which I admittedly have done in the past like I was oh, yeah. such so a reactor. because you're not expecting it generally things are quote-unquote good mm-hmm. or fine right mm-hmm. there's, there's no up and down and so things seem to be getting better and mm-hmm. that is exactly when they will poke you and you're un, you're not expecting it and then you I mean I've done it before it's like why do you do this in front of her seriously yeah. right mm-hmm. and then child's like <laughs> yeah I, I, I love you both I don't know what to do like and then that child unfortunately feels that they have to pick a side or take a side and and the narcissist is is they've got a strong energetic pull it's a negative energetic pull but it is a very strong one and then the child feels like well I think mommy's okay because mommy seems all right so I Mm -hmm. need to step over here and they're just stuck in the middle and they just don't understand and it's yeah yeah it is it really is especially as I said at the very beginning I would admit as well when the situation ended one of the reasons why I react so much is because there was still feelings there and I kind of felt like well you're the reason as to why the situation isn't together in the first place but since I started to notice those signs of gaslighting, trying to make me react in front of my kid, now I just like so overly, even to the point where I'm being fake, to be quite honest, like overly yeah. happy, overly like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, just, I know it winds him up, but it keeps the situation neutral. But yeah. I wanted you to share some tips with our listeners about how they can cope um dealing with a narcissist and the exchange of children because obviously it's a lifetime thing so what tips would you have for for our listeners I've I've always said and, and my exchange day is Thursday so you you got me on my exchange day <laughs> and I, I have found that the thing that I do in the morning first thing sets my mood sets my tone particularly when I know I'm going to enter into you know, the arena, right? With like a hungry tiger who's just (laughs) waiting to shred you to pieces. So particularly on those days where I know I make it even more of a priority. I, you know, I try to do it every day, but no one's perfect. I try to make it a priority. I woke up today and and I I meditated and I journaled and I visualized how am I going to make today great? What feelings do I want to have today? And, And pull those feelings into me and see 
the way that the exchange is going to go, right? And and see that it's just going to be minimal talking because mm-hmm. talking, anything you say to them, I always say it's like getting arrested can and will be used against you, <laughs> even if you try to be nice. And so yeah. I see, I visualize this exchange. Uh, in our particular case, we we meet at a, a centralized location. We don't pick up and exchange at houses. I have had clients in the past do that. And then the narcissist will work their way into the person's house and try to, you know, maybe physically take it further. Oh, the kids aren't watching, right? And kind of work their way back into your life. And if you haven't emotionally healed, you may fall, right? Especially in the beginning when you're like, wow, you know, this is who I've always, I've wanted you to be this person. So I always say pick a neutral location to do the exchange mentally and visually like prepare you know I'll, i will breathe i breathe deeply um when, when i go and drive in the car i turn on music that is really soothing and calming for me and then i just know like you said i anything that he says you, you gray rock right and, and gray rocking isn't playing naive or dumb but it's just mm, mm, mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. okay <laughs> and, and I just say like try to keep the Lady Gaga poker face and uh-huh. and say the responses because they they can feel like reactions but you can change them into responses save it for after you know do it through email do it through you know I, I don't say call or text because there's still an emotional connection there you know have it have the communication be something that can be documented time yeah. stamped just in case you need to present it you know, in the future. So mm-hmm. I only recommend emailing. That's what I do, but there's core apps and stuff out there. Uh, so during the exchange, keep conversation words as minimal as possible, mm-hmm. even if they trigger you. I used to, in the beginning, used to like take the side of my, and I, I used to have to bite my cheek or bite my tongue Yeah, you know, because I had to keep in mind what's important. You're never, ever, ever going to win with a narcissist ever. No, I- And what was important to me and the reason why I got out is because I want my daughter to have a healthy life and understand what healthy relationships are. And me talking back to him during an exchange doesn't provide that. So I had to realize what's my part in this and what do I have to do? What actions and steps do I have to take? So waking up, meditating, breathing, visualizing how the exchange and drop off is going to go. And then reminding myself just just gray rock. Okay. I'll, I'll repeat mantras. I've got this. I've got this, especially for something that I know, like, like that health insurance thing that is on the table. And I want to, cause I'm seeing him and he's there and I know he ignores my emails and I just want to be like, did you get my email? Why the hell didn't you write, you know? And, but, and then I got to remember who's watching. So I think when we keep in mind, remember who's watching Yeah, and I've got this right. And I think a lot of times we think if we it's the end of the world, right? Because they've triggered us and because they've caused so much pain, we got to remember who's watching. And so I will turn around, like I'll grab my daughter's leg and I'll kind of rub her and her rubber leg. And I'll tell her, you know, I'm going to miss you. I hope you have fun with your daddy this weekend. And I try to pump her with positivity and and an understanding that, you know, I'm, I'm not this bad crazy mom that her trying to paint me out to be so that she remains embedded in the truth so that even if he goes and he says something about who I am or about what I did in her mind she's going that doesn't match up to right yeah they are trying to make meaning of it so those are some of the things that I do when I'm have to exchange 
breathe, meditate, visualize, uh, listen mm -hmm. to calming music. And I just repeat mantras. I've got this, I've got this. And sometimes after <laughs> is when I will roll up my windows and I will scream. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just get it out and I'm like, right? yeah. And just, yeah. but not in front of the kid. Cause I have to remember who's watching tapping too. I have a, a really good friend who's into EFT emotional freedom technique. Cause that energy, mm -hmm. their negative energy gets stuck in the parts Friends of the body. Yeah. Already. So I'll sit there and I will just tap for a moment. And especially if he does say something triggering <sighs> and then I'll just sit there and I'll just tap and I'll just like cuss and just hate him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then after like a minute or two, I can feel a shift and a change of energy within myself. And I'm like, this isn't mine. I know this isn't mine. Why does he do this? Right. And so tapping is something I use. It's free. It's cheap. It's easy. And it's fast. Um, yeah. so sometimes I'll use that during the exchange. Cause I notice, and I can feel like, this is not me and I want it out of my body. Mm -hmm. So yeah that's thing that I recommend it's easy um it's I even taught my daughter like hey if you ever get angry at school right or if there's a bully and well I think we'll get into that but teaching them about bullies mm -hmm. what it means to be a bully how it feels to be around a bully and I tell her you can just go like this mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're kind of teaching them like those little ways to deal because that's all narcissists are they're bullies they are they're bullies and even when our children are with them, they're going to feel that bulliness, but it's going to be different because it's mom or it's dad. And, and they're going to say, but I love them. Right. But they'll start to connect. If you can teach them about bullying and about how, when something doesn't feel right, what to do, they're going to grow up and they're going to connect the dots. Yeah. Oh, my, my parent is like that. Which kind of touches on what I wanted to talk about as well, because the the last thing that you want is for our kids or listeners' kids is, so they have a parent that's narcissistic, then they end up in being with another narcissist and having another having a child with a narcissist, you know, which I read one of your posts on Instagram where it's like trauma attraction and you listed the things of what it looks like. I was so surprised that I ticked like the trauma attraction, you know, but, and people would be surprised at how common it is to be in that whole situation of trauma attraction, because I know that a lot of us, obviously spirituality is something that's starting to become more and more spoken about without sounding like a complete kook, but um, people are like, oh my God, it's like a past love or a soulmate or our energies just connect and which is what I used to tell myself, like he's my soulmate, like our energies connect, the universe wants us together, we've walked through, we have a lot in common and, you know, it was meant to be. But then looking as it's progressed, I'm like, no, it definitely was reliving trauma as an adult. What's your view on basically us mums not beating ourselves up for choosing a narcissist to, to be the parent? Yeah, because there's that's that's a thing because I experienced that as well. Um, to go back to um, the, the beginning of that, that a trauma attracts trauma. It, it does. Right. And I didn't, I say I had a good childhood and I, I will still say that, but 
when looking at why did I attract the second narcissist and the one that I chose to have a child with, the, the connection to my childhood was a, a dad who was there physically, but not there emotionally. He was emotionally unavailable. So it simply came down to that. My dad was emotionally unavailable and I attracted an emotionally unavailable person. I had never heard the term narcissism, but it, I, I felt bad, right? I felt he told me about all of his trauma and his past and his dad and his mom, and they weren't there for them. And all of this trauma he had experienced and his ex-wife mm -hmm. and the horrible things that she did to him. And I just thought, mm -hmm. wow, if somebody I've been hurt too, and this person understands what it feels like to be hurt. And because they understand what it feels like to be hurt and just how horrible and bad it is. And I understand and feel that we would never do that to each other. Mm -hmm. We both get it. And I thought that that was the sign of a good relationship that, oh my gosh, you get it. You would never hurt me. Fast forward, right? Now you have a child with this person and then you feel guilty and you can beat yourself up and go, why did I do this? Mm -hmm. Right? But understanding that, that the, the universe does give you opportunities to heal within you, to, to reveal and heal. And a narcissist does just that. They reveal, they quite literally like open wounds <laughs> and pour salt in them. Yeah. And the universe is saying, here's another chance. Because that, that inner, there's a past wound that's unhealed like from an emotionally, in my case, an emotionally unavailable father, he's not emotionally available. Now he's still the same father that he was growing up. We just, I just don't live with him anymore right? uh -huh, <laughs> or uh -huh. need money from him anymore. Uh, but the universe says, okay, that's still an unhealed wound. I want you to have an opportunity to heal it. Here's another person. So you get another chance and it's like your mind goes, oh, I get another chance. And now you see this and now you have a child. So understanding like that, you can still heal. And you, even after saying, you know what? I love my child and thank goodness, if I didn't have my daughter, I would probably still be in the relationship. It's because of her, she became my rock and my foundation, my strength and my why. So she was the reason I got out because I just, I had this vision when she was like a year old, when we were having a massive argument, like throwing stuff, breaking dishes, and she's standing there crying like mm -hmm. this. And I thought in 20 years from now, she's going to come through the door with a boyfriend who's probably abusing her emotionally, physically, sexually. And if I don't get out, I can't say that I did the best I could. That may still happen, but yeah. I thought I, it is my job to show her that that type of treatment from any person to another is not okay. So now when I have the guilt of why did I have a baby with this person? I now understand I wanted a family so badly. I wanted the family that I didn't have. I wanted a healthy family. And I thought that this person who had been so abused and hurt and neglected in their past understood my pain and, and the future faking and the love bombing. And I told him, I want a family and this is what I want. And the narcissist will take and learn about what you want and tell you and promise you mm -hmm. that they will give it to you. And I thought, wow, he gets it. He's going to give it to me. So when I have the mom guilt of why did, why the hell did I have a baby with him? Mm -hmm. I go back and I, and I reconnect. I, she's a gift and she is my why. And I had a baby with him and it was her because if I didn't, it might've gotten worse. Even if that relationship ended, I might've ended up 
in an even worse one. So thank goodness I had her because now I can see things clearly and, and I can see the reason and the why behind why it had to be him, why the universe chose him. And I really focus on what I'm grateful for. There are so many things I'm not grateful for when it comes to him. And I did an exercise the other day and it said, take someone that you're still holding resentment towards and make a list of the things that you are grateful for. And I chose him and it was a really, really difficult exercise to complete. I only wrote down three things, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but in that moment, when I was writing down those three things that I was grateful for, for him, I went, okay. I mean, I know many, many people that have it worse off with their narcissist and it really took me into a space of gratitude and alleviate did help alleviate the guilt that that she is here for a reason just like you're here for a reason just like i'm here for a reason she is here for a reason and it kind of helped alleviate the the guilt that i had that i chose a bad dad for her Mm -hmm. right and and me projecting his negative qualities onto her because she sees him differently than I do. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I do when I feel that mom guilt. It's like, you know what? She's here for a reason. I am. And it's all part of this divine plan. And I, I really do believe in that. And then I can say, you know what, Sarah, if you would go back you would choose a different partner. You wouldn't choose a different child because I love her more than anything, but I would choose a different partner. But I didn't know now what I, or didn't know then what I know now. Yeah, yeah. And and there's nothing I can do except, you know, choose to move forward and stay in gratitude or be angry about the past. And if I'm angry about the past, I'm not the kind of mother I want to be for her. Yeah, because that's another thing as well. Like bitterness is not cute to kids, you know. So I started at the beginning of, of the year, like last ending of last year, beginning of this year, to become so bitter because I really wanted that family. But who literally the amount of work that I've done on myself, I'm like, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, like what a lesson I've learned. Um, to the point where like he doesn't even affect me how he wants to like you I don't know if you experience it with your ex but like he wants to really affect me he really wants to make me they learn through the relationship with you they learn where your buttons are and Uh they learn how hard they have to push and when we do the inner work to heal they they go and they try to push that button and in the past they pushed it and you go right yeah now they push it and you go yeah, like it just like, doesn't phase me anymore to the point where I think just, it's being nice. It's like, no, I, I took the batteries out. Yeah. It, it doesn't work anymore, right? You've deactivated yourself to them. And mm-hmm. that actually makes them even more upset and angry, right? And then they'll, they'll stonewall silent treatment or they'll even try even more. And you remain in your, you know what? That's, I'm not the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously a much better person because you're less reactive. And if you're a better yeah. You're also a better mother or yeah exactly um I think with my situation I'm, I don't know because obviously I'm not an expert in like narcissism but I was like I don't know if he's exactly a narcissist but I know he's extremely emotionally toxic and emotionally abusive and, but- and I, I'm glad that you said that because a lot of people I use the word narcissism because it 
it does help to put it in a bucket, in a category to understand you're not alone and the things that happened to you were within this realm. But majority of narcissists don't go out and get diagnosed. Uh And so some people will use that and go, well, he hasn't been diagnosed. I don't think he's a narcissist. It doesn't matter. Those traits of disrespect uh-huh. And, and neglect and uh, emotional abuse are there so they don't have to have that term for it to be an unhealthy relationship so yeah that you said that because some people go I don't know if he's a narcissist yeah therefore I'll stay I would leave if he was but he's not I don't know if he is, <laughs> I'm and it's like no <laughs> no like literally to be honest with you and listeners who can resonate with this like emotional abuse is the worst it really it is the worst you know, yeah. it does, because it got to the point, like, no joke, I was looking in the mirror, and I didn't know who I was, I didn't know what I liked, and that mixed in with being, I suppose, in, in these terms, like, new parent, because, you know, four and a half is not a long time to be a parent, right. you know, it's still new, um, especially, again, if you've only got the one, so I didn't even know who I was, like, I didn't know what I liked, I stopped making an effort with myself, and things I liked, and I just didn't know who I was, but what I was basically saying earlier is, like, because I stopped reacting, and because he's, I've seen on several occasions him trying to push and push and push and push and push and push and push, he is now changed in a sense where he's starting to be a lot more calmer a lot more nicer a lot more receptive to what my boundaries are because I haven't gone back on my boundaries because obviously I know with a lot of women there's still some sort of emotional feelings there so it's not like oh I realize he's emotionally abusive he's toxic he's a narcissist and I don't have feelings anymore sometimes you still do especially if you haven't completed your work you know um which I wanted to also touch on being putting the other parent down in front of the kids and how to basically navigate that and how it could the negative side of doing that yeah I mean obviously the negative side is is because they have a different relationship with them they have a different experience with them perhaps they have experienced and I imagine they have manipulation the lack of emotional empathy but they are treating the children differently than they are with you and and that child came I never ever say that the child we come through our parents uh, or sorry we come from them we we come through them but mm-hmm. because they come through them a child doesn't have that same sense of awareness or identity and so they think this is my mom or dad. They don't realize the toxicity because when you're a child, that's your world and your environment. And it's very, very small. It's generally between mom's house, dad's house, home, teachers, little friends, right? And so when you're putting that down, that parent down, you're actually putting that child down because that child is connected to mom, is connected to dad. And so when you're putting down any part of their world, they don't realize they're not like one, that, that, that they're separate. And so yeah. then it's actually putting the child down and the child begins to develop these beliefs. Well, there's something wrong with me. Everyone, adult and child, we want, we want to be happy. We want to feel good. That's our, mm-hmm. our mind is hardwired to move us towards things that feel good and away from things that feel bad. That's like if you put your hand on the stove and it's burning and the stove is on, you're not going to keep it there. You're going to pull it away because it feels bad. So the child, when they experience something that, that feels bad, they pull away. So if you're 
saying any negative things about that parent, it feels bad and the child's gonna pull away and the child will never ever blame the parents. They will blame themselves. Yeah. And so if you're a part of putting that, that parent down, you're essentially putting your child down and having your child internalize it and, and blame themselves. Well, it must be my fault then. It must be my fault that mommy is gets mad at daddy. It's mm-hmm. something I did. Yeah. And so it's really, really important. You know, anytime my daughter would say anything about her dad that I just, ugh, I cringe inside. I, I hate to say it, but I'll admit it, I kind of gray rock my daughter. I go, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll gray rock my daughter. The other alternative is to react and go, really? Because, right? yeah. And that, those are, those are adult problems. Those are my things. They're not mm-hmm. her. And her four year old mind with a limited ability and limited experiences doesn't see it the same way. She's not living and looking through the same lens. So, yeah, when she says something that just makes me cringe and my skin crawl, I'll gaslight her. <laughs> I say, hmm. Oh, oh. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, and then inside, I'm like, oh. Right? Yeah, but I don't. I don't express that in front of her. It doesn't mean I don't feel it or think it. I just don't express, express it, it openly. She feels connected to him, and and sometimes I'll notice she'll say things, and then she'll kind of look at me like, "Yeah, are you going to react?" Because yeah. she knows, and she's had experiences where she says things in front of her dad, and then dad reacts. Yeah, and I can tell she'll come to me, and she'll do the same thing with me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, so I can feel it and I can see it. And when, when that happens, I say, honey, you know, I love you. And, you know, especially if she's throwing a tantrum, I say, I'm here for you, but this is not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So and if it's something she wants, you know, dad's Disneyland, dad's advisor, whatever she wants. I say, okay, well, let's talk about why, why do you want that? What can we do to earn that? She doesn't have to earn things with dad. So, and that, well, daddy said, okay. Yeah, I, I I hear you. I I hear that Daddy says this, you know, and and then we we just affirm, right, and and be there instead of react and get triggered and then yell at them. Mm-hmm. That just further perpetuates that feeling like ah, something's wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. I just think as well when we also touched on like code words for the other parent the emotionally toxic oh, okay. <laughs> like I, I recently yeah since having that conversation like before I, I used to have them I would talk to my my parents about my daughter's dad in in front of her and we thought we were sneaky and so at first we used the initials mm-hmm. you know his initial of his first name and last name. and then I think because of the energy and the tone and the, mm. where she had just come from, she knew in her mind, I just came from dad, dad's house. And mom is saying this, and I don't know what that is because I know his name is this, uh, but they're getting intense. They're getting, ah, and, then, and then, so she started to pick up on. And then when I said the initials one time, she goes, are you talking about my daddy? Yeah. And I went, oh man (laughs) and so then I I made a commitment in that moment to myself and and because I did talk to my parents a lot about it and I could I could tell that she would start to get really upset and and be off I had to accept responsibility and make the commitment to myself in front of her I will only say things that are positive or that are neutral Mm -hmm. and and making that commitment to myself and then 
asking my parents, who were the ones I spoke with most about it, to also make that commitment. Yeah. I said, I love her and I know she loves you guys. And she also loves her dad. And it is our job, you know, to, to make sure that we are setting a healthy, good example. So I want you guys to also make that commitment. And if you can't, anytime his name or initials or code words are mentioned, I will choose to end the conversation and, and walk away because she matters more to me and her mental health and state yeah. matters. Yeah. So sometimes you can do that in the beginning if they're really little. You can have initials or code words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got some other ones that were pretty derogatory names, yeah. but that was before she understood language. Yeah. <laughs> same here, same here. <laughs> One thing I did want to ask you as well, which is kind of on the same sort of topic. Do you think that there's it can ever be a civil situation or is it just going to continuously happen to be using these tools forever? I like, like we said, I, it, it all comes down to taking responsibility for our actions, for our words, for our choices, for our thoughts. Um, thoughts create feelings and feelings create actions. So that exercise that I shared that though the thoughts that I were having, right, were of anger, bitterness, like resentment. So those created feelings and the feelings were, were tension, frustration, anxiety, and the actions were when I would see him or get an email from him or, or during the drop-off, I would just, right, and I would yell. And so it all comes down to accepting responsibility and choosing like I, and I choose to repeat those mantras and affirmations. I've got this, I've got mm -hmm. this, I've got this. Because like you mentioned, when we not only set boundaries, but establish consequences for them, then they have no choice but to change because sure. they're going to try to find another trigger and another button. They're used to poking here. And every time they poke here, you used to, well, now they poke here and you are calm. And so they're going to go, well, I need another way in. So they're going to start to look and if every, you can choose your words, mm -hmm. you can choose, you know, it to not say anything. And it doesn't yeah. mean you don't get triggered, but it means that you don't react. So when that begins to be put in place, things do get better because they have no choice yeah. because they've got to find another tactic, another route. How can I get in? How can I get to them? And when you remain centered, grounded, and calm, they're going to go, oh my God, that door didn't work. Okay. Well, well, that door didn't, well, oh, that door didn't work. And they're going to continue to try to find new ways. And you just remain there. So, but they're going to try to paint this picture. Oh, well, maybe I'll be nice. Maybe I'll yeah. give her what she wants because then they're going to just try to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. So it can get better. Uh, it's never going to change, but it can get better, but it can only get better if you work on yourself because you're not going to change them. No, no. So making your own choice to not say things back. I also saw on another one of your Instagram posts, sorry, I love your videos. I saw oh, another yeah. one of your Instagram posts. I think you were saying like, obviously you can have narcissistic 
family members too. So he was like, don't focus on trying to change them. So I applied that into the situation, just like reflecting. I'm like, that was another big problem. If you're trying to change them or trying to navigate, they, they don't know anything about negotiating. They don't know about give and take or compromise or anything like that. You're wasting your time basically. And it's just taking more from you. So I think that was a really good point that like, because even you putting the effort into trying to change them, take a toll on you. Yeah, and it's always going to be met with failure because mm-hmm. the only person you can ever change is yourself. And so when you go down a road and, and it ends up that you, <laughs> your car crashes, it's a dead end road, then you, you have to consciously choose, I'm not going to do that again. And maybe it's, I'm not going to talk to them again. Or mm-hmm. when I talk to them and, and you can say to them, look, if you begin to name call, I am going to end this conversation. I will walk away. I will not yeah. talk. That. And yeah. then having the conversation and then name call. You can't just say, I told you not to call me names. That really hurts my feelings. You have to implement the consequence right then. Yeah. You've got to walk away. Yeah. And then what are you walking away for, right? And, and you don't have to explain uh, there was, what, what was it? Oh, there was another counselor uh, that I was speaking to. She helps women who are divorcing the narcissist. And I love this. And I always tell everyone this, don't tell them that you told them. You tell them one time and then you don't need to sit there and be all up in a tizzy and think, well, I told you, mm-hmm. do you remember last week? And I told you, if you do this again, she said, don't tell them that you told them. You tell them one time, yeah, because like otherwise that. you get crazy and, and so busy in your mind saying, why did they not get it? I, I told you. And remember that I said, don't yeah. tell them that you, they know. It's true. They know. It's and they true. love seeing you just kind of get all chaotic and sporadic. So yeah, tell them one time and then if they, what are you doing? Which is another thing I wanted us to touch on as well is how do you provide subtle tools for our kids to recognize negative energy? Um, I was just actually reading this morning uh, a book and uh, we talked about this. I I created an e-resource guide, so an electronic resource guide um, about different resources. There's there's tons of different books about there that teach about emotional regulation, about empathy, about kindness, about honesty, about trustworthiness, about feelings, emotions. Sometimes kids are feeling the feeling, but they don't know what the feeling is. They don't, mm-hmm. they can't label it or identify it with frustration. So it's so important as a healthy parent to say, it, it looks like you feel frustrated. And then, you know, and every time I tell my daughter, I'm like, oh, it looks like you're tired. I'm not tired. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, she, you can tell because now I'll say, honey, well, I think we should take a nap. My body's tired. And she'll go, I'm tired too, mama. And so sometimes it's helping them identify the feelings uh, is, is really significant. So I do have that e-resource guide. There's tons of books in there. Um, Amazon is amazing. I love it. I'm addicted to it, but some of the books are expensive. So I put links. There's a lot of them on YouTube that are read alouds mm-hmm. and then tons of resources. Like for example, I have a water bottle, water bottle, making like a calm jar. And so we can put the food coloring in there and just soap and, and liquid. And so I tell her, this is what I do. Sometimes there's so many things that make me mad that I don't know what they are. And so I'll shake this up and then I just watch the glitter come down. And as I watch the glitter come down, start from the top all the way to the bottom, I, I say what, I, what I'm thankful for, or just what I notice. I notice, mm-hmm. oh, now it's going to the right. Now it's going to the left. And then I breathe in 
while I do that. And by the time that little piece of glitter hits the bottom, I usually feel a lot better. And so I noticed my daughter actually took her to um, a little staycation. We went hiking the other week and she grabbed a water bottle and started filling it with rocks. And then she took water and poured in it and she called it her ocean. And she shook it up and she said, mommy, look, it's my ocean. I like how the waves move. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's because we made that bottle the other day. And I said, wow, that's really cool. Maybe if you get angry, you can hear the noise that the rocks make when you shake it or when you turn it and you watch them go. So Mm -hmm. teaching them about feelings, identifying their feelings and and what it feels like, what to do when you have that feeling. Because sometimes these kids are, they're they're really angry. My daughter's really, really angry. And, And there's some books in there and we practice this at home when I'm angry. What can I do so that I keep myself safe and I, I don't hurt myself or others, but I can still get it out. And she'll tell me, you can punch a pillow. You can throw a pillow. Yeah. And I'll say, yeah. Right. And, and you can scream into a pillow and you can take it. And, <laughs> and, and that's a healthy, appropriate way to get that feeling out and to mm-hmm. express it, especially some of those big feelings that they feel that they're made to feel shame. Hi listeners, before we go ahead and listen to the rest of the podcast, I want to introduce you to an amazing ebook that's designed to help your child's emotional health. Co-parenting with a narcissist or a toxic parent is emotionally draining. This dynamic can have an emotional effect on our kids and can create a negative narrative in the blueprint of their lives. But thankfully, there are amazing tools out there that can change all of this. One of them being the amazingly written ebook titled How to Raise a Healthy Child when the other parent is a narcissist by Sarah Picaro. This ebook has a wealth of information, activities and other links to amazing books for kids ages 3 to 12 to help develop their emotional health. All the details to this book will be in the description of the podcast. So go ahead and purchase and make a change in your child's emotional well-being. Uh, that, yeah. you know, maybe the other person, the, the toxic person, We'll go, come on, you're a baby, right? Or don't, what are you doing? We don't mm-hmm. do that. You know, big mm-hmm. girls don't cry mm-hmm. or big boys don't cry, tough it up. And they're feeling that they want to cry. So to give them a healthy space and say, I cry all the time. I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I say, oh, you do? Yeah. Right? Because they are doing it and feeling it, but then they feel like something's wrong with them. So having them now connect with them. So there's tons of stories in there about, other kids their age, like one of them, I think is like Matthew is like an eight-year-old boy who just sees red and he gets angry and he feels fire in his, in his face, like it's shooting out of his hands. And the, the kids go, oh, I feel like that too. You know, and what does Matthew in the story do so that you're not going like this and going, mm-hmm. well, something's wrong with you. You're saying yeah. he does this too. And it's like, oh, and then suddenly they can connect. Other kids feel this feeling. Yeah. There's a lot of times when the parent they're made to feel shame for feeling that feeling. And then they feel bad for feeling it or feel like something's wrong with them because they're angry. Instead, understanding and identifying that feeling. And then, well, what can I do to get it out? Because we don't want to teach them to push it down because mm-hmm. then it just, it'll come out eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just on the last point I wanted to touch on is how do, how do you recommend teaching our kids to recognize the sort of signs within their narcissistic parent and navigate and those signs in the future? I, I kind of teach it like a backdoor approach with my daughter. I teach her about lying, about telling the truth, about people who say mean things. 
And sometimes she'll come home from school and she'll tell me, you know, this little boy, he called me a baby. And I said, oh, it sounds like he called you a name. How did that feel? Well, I got, I'm not a baby. And I said, you're right. Cause babies wear diapers and, and drink out of bottles. Uh, do you do that? No. I'll say, so is it true? And she'll say, no. And, and so I'll say, well, what did you do? And then we'll kind of role play and we'll reenact. And I said, okay, so if that person is calling you a name or telling you something you're not, that's actually a, a lie. And, mm-hmm. and that if it, someone is trying to hurt you by doing that, it means that they're hurting inside. And if they're feeling hurt inside, it doesn't feel good to be, feel hurt, does it? And she'll say, no. And I'll say, well, they want that feeling out of them. And so they're, they're like giving it away and they're mm-hmm. trying to give it to you and hope that you'll take it out of, away from them and out of their body. But you don't want to hold on to that. How does it feel when, when you're hurt and you're, and so, so I'll, I'll, and in an adult way, right. We're teaching them about projection. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll ask her, how does that feel? Because if they're saying something that's not true, when that's called a lie and how does it feel if someone lies to you? If I, and then we'll kind of role play and I'll say, okay, you be the mean, you be the mean person and I'll be the nice person. And then we'll switch and I'll tell her, you're a baby. Nobody likes you. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell, I'll teach her to go like this. Okay. And yeah. then walk away. And sometimes she thinks it's funny or I'll teach her to go, thank you and walk away. Or we'll sit there and I'll do that. And I'll, and then I'll say, no, you're, you're stupid. You're a baby. Where are you going? No one likes you. Cause that's what she would tell me. They keep doing it, mommy. I do walk away and I say, okay. And they keep doing it. And I said, well, what do you do then? And, and then she's, then she said, well, I I'll hit them back. And I say, okay. And then what happens if you hit them back? Does the teacher notice? Well, then I get in trouble. And I said, okay. Yeah. So the best thing to do with anyone. And I think by teaching them through the experiences they're having with peers, we're inevitably and like backdoor kind of teaching them about experiences that they have with everyone including adults, including, and then they're smart. Kids are way, way smarter than we like to think that they are. And they start to connect the dots and put the pieces together. Oh, when my Uh dad doesn't tell the truth, when my mom doesn't tell the truth, it doesn't feel good. And I know what I can do is say, okay. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can walk away. I can go to my room and play by myself or Mm -hmm. some of those books that I read to Gabby. What are other things you can do? I can tell it a parent or I can tell an adult. I can tell a teacher. I can tell a friend. Like there's one story that we read all the time and there's two mean little girls and they're picking on this little girl. So she walks away and she goes and has a tea party with her friends and and the little girls are like looking in there. And I said, look how happy this girl is because she walked away and she's now playing by herself with her animals and having a tea party. Those other girls are jealous. Mm -hmm. And if someone's jealous of you, they're going to try to hurt you. But look how happy she is because she didn't stay and fight back. She looks a lot happier, huh? And then my daughter will go, yeah. And they know the feeling of happiness and they know the feeling of pain. So when we can teach them through stories, age appropriate stories, then they can connect because visually they're seeing, oh, this little girl or this little boy in the story feels like this too. What did they do? Right? Mm Because kids are really curious naturally that what did they do? And then you you show them, what did they do? Have you ever felt that? Mm -hmm. And then they can go, oh, so I just love the power of stories and, and yeah and having our children connect because we're not trying to put it on them. They're just going, Oh, that little kid did that. Okay. And then we can encourage them. Yeah. And you're training her to how to react as well. Like how she should react to it. 
right in a healthy appropriate way exactly. and we don't have to call out the other parent to do that mm -hmm. exactly exactly so Sarah thank you so much for joining us today but just before you go I want you to let our listeners know where they can find you and yeah so some of the information that you've given about co-parenting with a narcissist yeah, so everything. So my my brand, my company is Rewrite Your Life. Um, that's what I had to do. <laughs> um, I do it right through the subconscious, subconscious mind. But so it's re-write your life. And it's that on Instagram. It's that on Facebook is just my first and last name, Sarah with an H and then Picaro, P-A-C-A-R-O. But the website is rewrite your life, but there's dashes between the, the rewrite and then dash your life. And the book is available that you've resource guide is available on there it should be the first thing that pops up and how to how to raise a healthy child when the other parent is a narcissist um, so that's on there as well as um, tons of blogs and tons and tons of youtube videos if you're still in that stage of understanding narcissism uh, and just trying to wrap your own mind around it because it's been so full of gaslighting and manipulation you don't know which way is up or which way is down <laughs> so, tons of resources on youtube um, and then again, Facebook, Instagram, I'm on TikTok too, a bunch of videos on there. So yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much again for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you, Melissa, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining this week's episode. Please feel free to subscribe. You can also leave a comment. I would love to hear what your points of views are. You can also follow me on Instagram at Mummy Warriors. And you can also have a chance to be a guest on the show by visiting my website, www.themummywarriors.com. All details will be at the bottom of the podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week.